Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 110 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. I'm your host, Brent Coley, an elementary educator in beautiful Southern California. And today on the show, another Southern California as educator, Ashley Yazardlu. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's We're <laughs> recording on a Friday, so... Yes, we are. Energy seems a little, a little crisper. The birds <laughs> chirp a little more loudly. It's it's beautiful. So, well, I'm excited um, to talk about what we're going to talk about because I know it's something that's near and dear to your heart. It's something that <laughs> over my career has been near and dear to my heart, and that's educational technology. But yeah. before we jump in, for anyone who's not familiar with you, give us a little background. Like, how long have you been in education? How did you get into education? What's your role? Just basically, who is Ashley? Okay. Well, I've actually been in education for 17 years, going into my 17th year, I should say. Um, I actually am a Florida native, so I um, got my secondary um, English education degree from Florida State University in Tallahassee. And after graduating, I started working for Hillsborough County Schools um, as a middle school ELA teacher. And while I was working full time, I decided to go back to school and get my master's in educational leadership, um, which was a challenge in itself. <laughs> um, and then after that, um, about five and a half years in Florida, my husband and I decided we were going to relocate to California. And so that's how I ended up out here. And we started our family. He started his business and we were living in Long Beach. Um, and I, I worked uh, in Newport Mesa Unified and Los Angeles Unified um, over in that part of the world for about um, six years. And most of that time, um, I was in South Central Los Angeles at uh, John Muir Middle School, and that was probably the most meaningful years of my teaching career. But um, we decided Long Beach was getting, you know, a little too crowded for us, and we needed some more space to grow our family. And my husband had an opportunity to start um, a second uh, agency in uh, San Diego, so we moved to Temecula. And I wasn't planning on getting out of the classroom. I was just looking for teaching jobs. And I came across the position for um, instructional coaching at a middle school. And I read the job description and I thought, man, I would have really loved to have had someone like that, like an, a coach to help me as a new teacher. Because when I first started teaching, I had <laughs> very, very little help. <laughs> Those positions didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, they didn't exist. I was struggling so hard my first few years teaching. And so I decided I'm just going to try you know, apply for this job and see if I get it. And um, I did. And so I ended up stepping out of the classroom and became an instructional coach. And I worked at a middle school for a couple of years as a coach. And then I moved up to our district level and I coach now um, our CTI teachers who are new to our district and clearing their credentials. But my role is actually an educational technology specialist. And so I specialize now in really helping um, our secondary ELA teachers integrate technology into the classroom. And I do a lot of work around our curricular scope and sequence 
and bringing clarity around quality tier one instructional practices in the ELA classroom. So really just like, what can we do to help our teachers, you know, have like solid understanding of basic, you know, teaching good instructional practices? And then how can we integrate that technology to leverage it to our advantage and, um, and providing those high quality learning experiences for students. So that's what I do now. <laughs> that's awesome. I love, I love when you said to focus on tier one. Yes. That is so, I mean, like there's so many kids who are requiring intervention and if half of our kids are in tier two or tier three, we don't have a intervention problem. We have a tier one problem. So yes. Yeah. I, I, I love, and I'm so glad that districts are investing in the coaches, the coaching model like that. I mean, now that I'm at the district level two, we have, I work with a team of, of, of TOSAs, we call them teachers on special assignment. We've got a technology coordinator who helps with that. And just like you said, I didn't have any of that. I mean, I had my mentor teacher that was partnered up with me, like for BITSA, now it's induction, but there, there were no coaches back then. So yeah, I, I love it. So so you work, your primary role is is helping teachers integrate technology or an in, in, technology integration specialist. And that's pretty much the title of this episode is Why Tech? Yeah. As now, I mean, I know 10, 12 years ago, we didn't have, it wasn't one-to-one. Most schools were not one-to-one. When I left the classroom, I think I had, I had two desktop computers in my classroom. I left yeah. my last, I was in the classroom in 2010. So yeah. 12, 13 years later, now pretty much all of the elementary schools were one-to-one or very close to that, whether it's iPad, pads, Chromebooks, laptops. But the question is why? Yeah. As we can put laptops, Chromebooks, iPads, a cart into a classroom. I'm a firm believer that without why, how is irrelevant? And, yeah. <laughs> and that's, so I want to ask you, like, if somebody's asking or they're listening to this and they're like, why, why should I use those laptops that were just rolled into my classroom? <laughs> why, why? Because, you know, I don't need that. Why, why? And can you give us some stories of like, when you helped teachers do that, how has it changed yeah. the dynamics of the classroom? Yeah. Well, you know, when, when I think of that question of why tech, like there are so many reasons, right? I there's not just one. This there is a multitude. Hour, an eight <laughs> hour episode, which listener you don't really good. It's really good. And and before I get into it, I do want to say, like, when I was in the classroom, I, I was in there for a total of eleven years, like in different states. And I, that my technology resources were very limited at the schools that I was at. Um, there were some years where I had like uh, access to a computer lab and then others where I had a, com- a rolling cart that was like shared between three or four teachers in a hallway. Mm-hmm. And I think when I went to LAUSD, we, it was during the iPad rollout, which ended up being quite a fiasco because of security reasons and yes. whatnot. Um, but we had those and, and it was just such a resistance um from many educators at that time because they were afraid of abuse of the devices and not enough monitoring in place and not being able to manage it and know what kids are doing. Um, And that has come a long way (laughs) since when I was in the classroom. We have 
programs like GoGuardian for monitoring and safety and things like that that are in place that can help with some of those management issues. But ultimately, when thinking about when I had technology available to me, when I did have the opportunities to use it, my kids were always highly engaged. Like they always were engaged more so in the activity of what I was asking them to do when they had the opportunity to use it. And now it's just mostly, for the most part, readily available. Um, so the, it's, it's not really why tech, it's why not tech? Mm. Like, why are we not using tech? It is it's, it is available um, and it's continually evolving and advancing and it's highly engaging when it's used in appropriate ways. Um, it makes lessons more interactive, dynamic, just more fun for the kids. And it's going to lead to an increased motivation and, and therefore participation from students. And so when they're more motivated and, and participating and actively engaged, they're less likely to be causing mischief and problems in your classroom, which is what most people don't want to deal with. Yeah. So now, um, that's a big now, why, the engagement piece. Yeah. It has that. I remember like, I, I vividly remember like on my classroom website, like my philosophy. And that was the first thing I put like, technology has it has the i called it the cool factor it's yeah. it, it i mean especially back then it was when it was like we didn't have a lot of technology readily it's like it's cool these kids are mm -hmm. they're doing it at home already mm -hmm. why not use it here and i love what you said i mean an engaged student is less likely to misbehave <laughs> less likely to be off task more likely to work so yeah i, I um, love that why not yeah. yeah, why not? I mean, it's promoting those four C's, right? You've got your critical thinking going on. Kids can be creative with their use of technology. They can collaborate um, with peers in the room and in other places, if possible. Um, and it's a way to help them with those communication skills. So all of these are things that are skills that they're going to need later on when they're outside the four walls of our classroom. They're going to be able, they're going to need these digital skills. So why not give them the opportunity in a more like controlled environment where you can promote those things and also just promoting the SEL skills too, like student agency and self-regulation, self-awareness, time management, like those are lifelong skills that they're going to need and using technology can give us the opportunity to promote those skills with them too. I love it. I, I love it. Preach. Um, so do you have when you think of the time when you've worked with teachers and like when you've been in classrooms and you, you've stood alongside a teacher as they help get them started to maybe somebody who is hesitant, um, somebody like you or me, maybe we were a little more early adopters, like, yeah, give it to me. I'll figure it out. I'm not afraid to push. <laughs> not everybody's like that. So can you give me an example of, of some, someone or, or a classroom you worked with where they tried something, they tried tech and the light bulb was lit on, the kids were engaged, something, something like a testimonial, so to speak. Um, well, there's probably a lot. Uh will be I I would say um I was working with a, a brand new teacher who was not necessarily tech hesitant, but just was unsure of what to do and how to do um with the tech. And we talked about different um, ways that you could promote like voice and choice with students, like the choice boards and playlists and things of that nature. And once once his um, 
once he realized like the creative options that he had as a teacher as far as like instructional design and things that he could put in front of kids that were engaging, then it was like he just took off and like he just blossomed as far as like his teaching abilities and his excitement. You could see the trepidation was sort of gone and he was really excited. Um, and then another thing that just happened actually recently, we we do classroom walkthroughs of our ELA teachers to see the teaching and learning that's happening. And we went into um, a one classroom where a teacher was utilizing uh, Google Slides, right? And we we have a lot of teachers that use Google Slides, but usually they're using them for the presentation purposes for themselves. Mm-hmm. So allowing kids to do, this teacher was allowing them to work in groups to um, identify symbolism in a novel and then create a presentation and then teach the rest of the class about that particular element of symbolism. And the kids who were watching the presentations were taking notes by hand and listening. So there was like that blended learning happening um, with the analog note taking and then the digital presentation, the collaboration. Like it, it was like this blend of, of beautiful um a beautiful way for this teacher to address a multitude of English language arts standards with with a simple use of a of a tool that we've been using for years now. So it's not necessarily about having to like learn a brand new tool, but taking what's there and figuring out ways that you can utilize it to meet the needs of the kids in your classroom to help them master the standards that they're trying to learn. I absolutely love that. Like you said, it's slides. Or if you're a Microsoft district, it's PowerPoint. I mean, it's right. not the most cutting edge uh, software tool. Nope. I don't know. This is something that's been around forever. Yeah. And like you said, it, I think that's so perfect for you don't have to do everything. You don't have to bite off. How do, what, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> One bite at a time. Like, like, and, yeah. and it's like you don't have to learn all of these new tech things. Just start something with slides. You used to, you usually use it through put on your screen and, and present the morning work or whatever your kids are going to work on when they come in. Give that to the students, so now they can they can do they can do use the you said that of the four C's they were able to create rather yeah. than just consume were, what the teacher had put yeah. up. I mean, they were citing textual evidence. They were collaborating digitally and in person, like sitting together. Um, they were writing. They were listening. They were reading critical, you know, critically reading a text. So, so and it just it just wasn't a complicated activity for this teacher to plan. So it was like efficient for her, but showed her a a, a lot of the things that the students. Um, needed to do and learn like through this one little activity it wasn't overly complicated i should say so i think that's where a lot of people get hung up um is they think it has to be really elaborate or overly complicated Mm -hmm. and it doesn't it's complexity (laughs) (laughs) yeah did uh and what was the engagement like all the kids are engaged yeah Yeah. you don't have kids messing around in the back because not at all it's it's not a here's your blank piece of paper write a report on X Y or Z. It's a little more engaging than not a little more, a lot more. Yeah. Engaging than that. So absolutely. Um, any other any other stories that come to mind in terms of how it transforms stuff? So that's an example. Um, well, yeah, actually, I was thinking too about um, 
another why tech reason would be accessibility um, and how uh, there's a variety of tools that are available in technology platforms that help students access the content, right, that you're trying to teach. Um, things like voice typing, translation, closed captions, those kinds of things. And I was thinking back to an experience that I had with a student that was legally blind. And at the time, I had very limited access to technology. And every assignment that I was printing had to be enlarged to a size 24 font. So every time I made copies of anything for the rest of my students, I had to make sure I made a copy for that student in a 24 font because he didn't have a device at the time. Well, now we have devices. Like how much easier would that have made my preparation for this student if I could give it to him in a digital format and he could blow it up to the size that he needed or I could help him get it to that size instead of having to print that every single time. So paper saver, but also accessibility. And and for a language, as you were saying that, I, I had a student one year who, yeah, our, our county office of education had to help supply enlarged everything for him because of his his visual impairment. But nowadays with technology in terms of translation abilities, uh, I'm thinking like I'm in Murrieta Valley and we're a Microsoft district and Microsoft PowerPoint online has amazing translation abilities. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of like, even if you didn't have the slides, a teacher could open a PowerPoint and just start show the like start the presentation on just a single slide, turn the closed captioning on, which let's say it's a native English speaker, you could put closed captioning on the bottom in the same way. Are you when my wife and daughter and son love closed captioning when they watch Netflix and stuff? Do you mm-hmm. like I I don't like it on. I, I prefer it not on, but so many people now, I I speak English. I mean I hear just fine, but they like to watch it at the bottom. Yeah. How many of our students are similar to that? And would it be better if what we were saying as a teacher was also being transcribed on the bottom of the screen? And for second language learners, I mean, the the capability is there that with the devices that we have, you scan a QR code, and now on their device, what I'm saying is being translated into one of 60 different languages. Yeah. I mean, it's only going to continue to evolve and get better. Um, There's a website that I often recommend to teachers. It's called Teach for All Learners. And it's it's a website that gives um, accessibility options. So if if you're like not sure what to do, this website gives you all kinds of ideas and resources for how to make your lessons more accessible for the learners in your classroom. So that's a great site. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And and going back to like you said with the with the Google Slides example, that teacher didn't have to learn extensive new programs, just use something that he or she already knew. Yeah. An example that I gave about PowerPoint, it's like it's PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. Open it up, hit start. And there's not a, there's not extra work from the teachers in, but imagine that kiddo, your your not English speaker in the back. Yeah who typically would just be like, I don't know what the heck he's saying. Yeah. Now could see in their in his or her native language. So Yeah. It's a super powerful tool. Super. And and 
And speaking of a great accompaniment to Google Slides, a lot of our teachers um, utilize Pear Deck um, with their Google Slides and, they, and either in the teacher-paced mode or the student-paced mode. But um, that is another powerful little add-on that gives you that instantaneous formative assessment sort of feedback. So you know right then what you need to change or adjust or who's having trouble keeping up or who's not participating. Like it's very easy to see with a tool like that. So that's another great tool. I love I love that. I was thinking when I was teaching fifth grade many years ago, I did a podcast with my students. And it was a perfect, like when someone asked me, like, why should you use tech with students? Mm-hmm. Now, this was back at a time when like, you and I are recording this via Zoom, we're not in the same room, not even in the same, <laughs> we're not even in the same city right now, but we're able to, one of the four C's, we're collaborating on this. Yep. The technology makes this very easy. Yes. It wasn't as easy back then, but, but we did a student, I was willing to put in teaching myself how to do it, but. The cool thing was every month or so we would I would have the students summarize what they learned. So for example, if it was a science unit on human body systems and we learned about that, I would put students in groups and one student would summarize what they learned about the circulatory system. Another group would summarize what they'd learned about the skeletal system and the muscular system and whatever it was. Mm-hmm. They would write their own scripts. So we're practicing writing there. Mm-hmm. And then one person in the group would record and I would just bring them back to the back table with a little headset microphone on them. And I would use my laptop. It was GarageBand at the time. And I would, they would just read the script and I would then put it all together. I mixed it through a little intro music and I put it onto, into my website and into iTunes. And there were so many benefits of this. Number one, first one was I'm still thinking of a particular student who uh, required a lot of intervention, which was great. He was a, he was a great kid. Uh, struggled sometimes academically. Very quiet, very quiet student. But the moment it was his turn to record his segment for our podcast, and you put that headset microphone on him, he turned into Tom Brokaw. <laughs> he he it was like, oh my gosh, wh- where is this coming from? It was like he wasn't up in front of the classroom having to give a speech. He was sitting in the back and, and he just, hello, ladies and gentlemen, mind it. I mean, it was, wow, it gave him a voice that mm-hmm. he didn't normally feel comfortable using in class. So that was like one benefit of that. Number two, we would then push it out and Parents could like, well, what did you learn in school today? It was another way to communicate to parents. Well, this is what we're learning in class. Absolutely. But going back to the very first thing you said, and like, it's engaging, it's got that cool factor. The best thing ever was on the first day of school, every time I got a new a new group of students in, was I would pull up on the screen and I would pull up iTunes. And I would pull up our podcast and I would say, that's going to be you. You are going to be in iTunes. You're and today, like you're going to be in Spotify. You're going to be in Apple Music. And just yeah. seeing their eyes, like really, and I'd play some of the. It's like that's going to be us. It's like that's going to be you. And there's something about that that global audience. Mm-hmm. I think Rushton Hurley said it. I'm going to try to get that. Says I've said this so many times. If if they know their teacher, 
if they know the world's going to see it or read it or hear it, oh yeah, they're going to want it to be good. It's that if, audience. <laughs> if they if it's just the teacher that's going to see it, hear it, read it, they'll want it to be good enough. Yeah. The whole like, well, how many paragraphs does it have to be? Is this good enough? Exactly. But if they know the world, they want it to be good. Yeah. The number of times that students would be like, oh, I can, can I re-record? I didn't, I didn't really like that. Absolutely, we can re-record. But let's go for it. So, and that wasn't, and today, the technology is there. Oh, sure. With, with apps like Anchor and stuff like that. I mean, you do it on your phone and you can- We video, yes, Screencastify, it's, Flipgrid, like all of those platforms are, make it so easy for people to do or for kids to do. And then if you take those and publish them on a website and you have one link to give to parents. And here's something I saw the first, the first time I ever saw this, I was like mind blown. I walked into this teacher's classroom and he had QR codes on the wall. And I was like, what is that? And I scanned it with my phone and it led me directly to some student work samples. What if those QR codes led to a website that housed all of those things that the kids has created, whether it be, you know, a Google slide or a podcast video or even a, a commercial that they made, you know, there's, there's just the possibilities are really endless for student creation and then giving them that platform to share with the world, like whoever can see what they're doing. And I just think that's so cool. <laughs> and it, it's so, it's so easy to get it out there. Now. Yeah. It's I not, was, it's not as hard these days. It's and not as hard. tutorials everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. What tw 10, 12 years ago, it was not easy <laughs> no, to, 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 to house, to get stuff out there. But now again, we've got phones in our pocket that can do this. I was, I was out visiting a couple elementary schools today and we popped into a classroom and they had a small group in the back and we walked in the door and the teacher turned around and was like, like, like <laughs> they're recording. <laughs> they were using flip. Yeah. Flipgrid and formerly Flipgrid now flip. I mean, I, I still call it Flipgrid. The, and they were they were recording it, and they had little uh, costumes, like had a little beard that was like taped to the front of their. I mean, and they talk about engagement, like when she said Shh, because it was quiet. Yeah, other kids were silent. Were were independently reading. They were recording their thing, and just looking on their face, I gave like a little thumbs up to one of the girls, and she had the biggest smile on her face, like like we're recording video right now, <laughs> and and the teacher was just watching them do it because they love it they knew what they were doing it was not it was not overly complicated so yeah i saw something similar the other day in a fourth grade classroom um this teacher was having them record some responses uh to some critical texts they had just read and she had little recording boxes like made out of like cardboard boxes and she had little lights in the top of them so they could push the light and turn it on so they had their own little private light like spotlight on themselves so they were recording it was this it was just really a cool little tool that she she put together on her own i'm not sure where she got it from but um she she's going to talk about with me about it on my podcast actually um and I'm, I'm super excited to share that with the world too because it's great ideas yeah great ideas coming from our teachers it's, and and as as we're we're wrapping this up it's like I think I always try to like pull one nugget or it's like, so if you're getting nothing out of this, what I'm getting out of this is if you're listening to this and you're like, but I, but I don't know a lot of tech right? or I'm not, I'm not that if I've heard nothing else out of what you've shared today and it's like, you don't have to know a lot of tech. No, 
you you just have to have an openness and a willingness to try something, yeah. even if it's well, I know Google Slides, fantastic. There are a ton of ways that you could use the simple tool of Google Slides to engage. Yes. I mean, Casey Bell from ShakeUp Learning um, calls Google Slides the Swiss Army knife of like the Google Suite products, right? Mm -hmm. Because it could do so many different things. I believe there's a lot of edu protocols that use Google Slides as mm -hmm. well. So if you know Google Slides, I mean, you got endless possibilities there. And then also in thinking about the specific content area you teach, um, each content area usually has a few tools here or there that are like specific to that content that are, are good. So in thinking about me as an ELA teacher, um, besides Google Slides and Pear Deck, those are great tools. Cami uh, is another great tool for digital annotation. I know I'm going to be having my kids read a lot of text. So I'm, I need a tool that is really good for digital annotating that's not overly complicated to use. And Cami is that tool. Um, another ELA tool uh, I would recommend. And this is a platform. It's and it's it's a little pricey. Uh, they partner with districts, but it's called Paper, and they have 24 hour a day tutoring services for students. But specifically, they do um, essay feedback. So students can write a draft of an essay for me for my class. Right, submit it to the Paper Tutor. They give that first round of feedback. My student can make those corrections before bringing it into my classroom for additional peer editing or for when they turn it into me. So that like eliminates a step from my workload is having that paper uh, tutor there. So um, those are just a couple of tools specific to ELA. And I know other content areas have their specific tools, but I would say, you know, find a tool that is um, valuable to what you're teaching and the needs of your students and then learn that tool and become good with that one tool you don't need to know all of the things <laughs> that is that is so good that yeah start again rule wasn't built today no start with one thing get really good at that which also reminds me of um something that weston kishnick has shared uh and i i think it's so powerful is he says one of the most dangerous phrases that education that we hear in education sometimes is what am I going to do with blank insert the name of the tech tool mm -hmm. today? What am I going to do with Google Slides today? What am I going to do with Cami today? The question should be, what do I want my students to learn yes. today? And then say, could Google Slides help me get there? Yes. And and if the answer is yes, Great, let's use Google Slides. Maybe yeah. it's Cami today, or maybe it's a good old-fashioned pencil and, and paper. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you, you don't need a machete if a steak knife will do. I mean, yeah. sometimes sometimes, sometimes a traditional tool is going to be the right tool for the job. Yeah, and I think that's important for us as educators to embrace that the the blended learning aspect of it, right? The blending the tech with the traditional learning methods to help students learn. What is it that students need to know and be able to do? Yeah. And what tools, whether it be analog, paper, pencil, or technology, what tools are going to help me get there with my students? And that's how you select what you're yeah. going to use. <laughs> start with start with the the end in mind. What do I want them to do? Or yeah. what do I want them to learn? Learn. 
and then what's the best way that I can that I can get them there. So for sure, Ashley, great great conversation. Again, I we could we could chat for more several more hours. This is a topic I know you love. It's a topic I am very passionate about, but we will spare our listeners um, <laughs> a little a little. We'll, we'll let them get on to with the rest of their day. But you mentioned your podcast, so. Yeah. Before we go, I want you to, how people are like, I need to get in touch with Ashley. <laughs> how can they do that? What is your podcast? Give us all the details. Sure. So I have a baby podcast. I say baby because I just started it this year and you actually helped to inspire me to do that. Um, but it's called Blending In. Um, and it's a podcast all about, I, I, I basically interview teachers kind of like you're interviewing me on how they're blending in educational technology and other things to provide high quality instructional experiences for their students. And so you can get to the podcast for my website is blendinginpodcast.com. Um, and from there, you can listen on all the platforms. And I'm also on social media as a blending in pod on Twitter or blending in podcasts on Instagram. And then I am also on Twitter as just Ashley Azarlo. So you can find me there as well. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So I have enjoyed, I, I was able at our most recent IAQ affiliate event, got to see you record one of your episodes of your podcast in person, which is what led me to like, you need, I need you to be on my podcast. This is good. But please. <laughs> Please okay. share with me too. So that uh, episode just launched today. Oh, actually. how about that? <laughs> episode seven. <laughs> three three great guests on uh, on that one, and um, yeah, Lisa Mo, you just had her on. I just had Lisa on there, and um, I had uh, Kevin Kevin Roten. He's on yes. it. So that we're, this is recording episode one ten one oh nine. If you haven't listened to that one, is Kevin. He had that was a good good episode. Yes. So um great. Ashley, thank you for taking the time. Again, I'm a broken record. I know even if no one listens, even if it's just my mom and dad listening, I got something out of this. And that's <laughs> uh, that's great. But I, I hope and I know anyone who's listening is gonna get something out of this. So Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And I will uh I'll see you at Spring Q. Oh, yeah, Spring Q. If you're going, come to my session. I'm yes. doing a session just when? for instructional coaches. It's when called. You, what, when? when? It's going to be Thursday, the 16th, and I believe it's at 145, 135, somewhere around there. Um, it's called Tech Tools, Tips, and Tricks to Transform Your Instructional Coaching Practice. So if you're an instructional coach, Come on down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sounds sounds great. So all you Spring Q attendees, hope to see you there. I will be there as well. I uh, would love to connect in person. And for everyone listening, again, thank you. If you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to the podcast again in all the different platforms, or you can listen directly on the podcast page on my website at brincoley.com. And until next time, have a good one.